you know me. I mean, you you are the Steph Curry <laughs> of this podcast, sir. You always have a green light. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chris and Andre Show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 28. Oh, my goodness. Uh, uh, I know, right? Of the Chris and Andre Show. We are <laughs> I just interrupted your intro. I'm such an ass. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's episode 28. That's pretty dope, right? Yeah, it's very dope, if you ask me. Yeah. Um, not quite a year, but half a year and some change. I mean, so at this point, we have as many episodes as February has three-fourths of the time. So. <laughs> yeah, you're right. So, how have you been doing, man? Uh, I've been doing pretty good. You know, i am been continuing uh what has been a fairly productive streak around the house around the house um i finally got around to finishing my daughter's bedroom um we had done a bunch of work to paint and put up like this fancy chair rail and we tore apart her closet to take out the door and open it up and all this stuff and then framed it and I had gotten like three-fourths of the way done with all the trim and I'd been doing it all by hand with like a hammer and nail and so (laughs) I had asked for uh or I had been hinting that I wanted a nail gun my dad found me a really nice DeWalt and it's just a little finish nailer it's not like a um you know framing nailer or anything like that but that with my little air compressor and I just pop, 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 pop. Oh, wow. That one piece is up. Pop, 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 pop. Oh, that piece is up. Pop, pop, pop. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm done with this whole freaking room. And it took me, you know, less time than it would have to hang one piece the other way. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've been trying to like maintain as much of that motivation as possible. Um, it was, I, I hung a bat house on my uh on the back of my house and so like i ordered i know you're shaking your head for those of you who aren't me or andre and can't see um this is that white people shit um (laughs) to be clear i already tried spraying some pretty deadly poison across my yard sorry i like i know i'm like like, i'm vegan and yet i'm here like try as a side (laughs) the whole yard kill everything no it didn't work like everything is still alive out there i don't know if i just didn't use enough or what you're the professionals that do that right yeah i know but i'm like i'm trying to be more do it myself lately i guess i'm trying to i think like in in a sense i'm thinking i'm saving a buck in more ways i'm i guess trying to educate myself about this so that i can eventually get good enough to not have to rely on other people to do this like i have a pest control service that comes out and treats the house and that stuff but it's primarily like the mosquitoes 
in the backyard, which have been terrible. And I've been slowly but surely trying to clear as much of the brush and the leaf matter and everything that just creates, you know, these magnificent breeding grounds for mosquitoes. But at the same time, like, I don't want to wait six years for me to get there. Like, I'm trying to do other things. So, like, I've got a, um, a bug zapper that I bought. So, I put that up. That's... Seems like it's helping a little. It's hard to tell because I haven't been spending a ton of time outside at night, which is when it's on. But it looks cool. Uh. <laughs> yeah, there there are services that take care of that stuff. That's all I'm saying. I mean, you do what you want to do. Yeah, I I um I do respect specialized knowledge greatly. Um, but I think at the same time, like there's something to be said for, you know, doing stuff around your house. Oh, sure. and I know, like I know you do that stuff. Yeah. I was a carpenter. My wife thinks that that translates to electrician, plumber, and God knows what else. But, um, you know, I'm not an inside trim guy and I could probably frame up and probably do. So I could do inside trim if I really, you know, thought about it you know, it's not super complicated but it's not it's really and it's but i mean like i was dealing with square rooms so it wasn't like anything over the top um the the biggest difficulty is that you're usually not dealing with square square rooms so yeah. i mean I, I did boxing and siding for about a year so i yeah i understand the the, the the finesse involved in some of those delicate jobs but i was also the same guy that when i had to take something apart i brought a sledgehammer with me so, so I don't. I would piss off more electricians than made friends. So, uh, and and I get that. You know, there's things that around the house where you know, like I'm very capable of doing. I don't like plumbing. I don't like electrical because I'm not an electrician. I have a brother-in-law that's an electrician. Um, I I get it, but I also get that for three and a half years I was a construction worker. So I feel like I've earned the right not to do that. Stuff I mean, I don't, I don't disagree. You know, like it's my dad uh, often argues that because of his time spent as a volunteer firefighter and his appointment as a, uh, a lifetime volunteer firefighter of the Eldorado Hills um, fire, fire, fire department um, that he can do whatever he wants when it comes to fire. If he wants to throw gasoline or oil or light a fireworks, regardless of the laws of, North Carolina that as a, as a former firefighter and apparently lifetime firefighter now. <laughs> I, that's how that works. Lifetime. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I, um, yeah, I, I, I can't touch that. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've just been, uh, let's see what, what have we been uh, Same old stuff. Uh, the pandemic is, is what it is, you know? Yeah. Um, still, yeah, starting to make routines out of the quote-unquote mundane, right? Um, Cooking. Yeah, I've been eating a lot of food though. Like, yeah, been looking for like too much food, or um, uh, no, <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like uh, I've got this whole. Like, I've been trying to find, like, super dope mushrooms. Like, there's one called the uh, Chicken of the Forest or something like that. It looks insane. Like, I saw a video. Usually you can get those super dope mushrooms from your dealer. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, so my wife was walking the dogs and she goes, I saw these cool mushrooms outside. I was wondering if I can grab them. I'm like, no, that's not the way that works. No. <laughs> Definitely will not, not. It will not be grabbing. I mean, but I, I, there's a lot of cool recipes I'm, I've been you know, trying to, you know, test out. Um, and then I've been looking for, like, I, I really want to go to uh, the new Wegmans or Wegmans that's opening in Cary. Yeah. Uh, they, I hear they have a pretty dope uh, vegan section. So yeah. uh, I think they're supposed to be on Instacart, too, when they open here soon. Because uh, it's like first week of August, right? I think next week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I'm, I'm excited about that. Yeah. Um, we... This is our second week now of going through the menu board um, that I think I mentioned last week. Yeah. How'd it go? I loved it. Like, it... Uh-oh. <laughs> no. Like, it really... It was just funny because there were multiple days during the week where I got to lunch and I was like, all right, what am I supposed to have for lunch? And I looked at it and I was like, that's not what I want for lunch. And then, like, I looked in the fridge, and I looked in the freezer, and I looked in the cabinet, and I was like, all right, I guess I'll just have that. <laughs> so, ultimately, like, it helped me to make that decision, <laughs> even when I thought, that's not what I really want. Um, and then it was nice because even, like, towards the end of the week, we decided to change it up. You know, like, we were like, ah, I don't really feel like doing that for dinner you know, we were right. going to do this for lunch tomorrow. Do you want to do that for dinner tonight? Um, and so I, li- I liked it from that regard. Um, you know, flexible enough that you, I mean, you can ignore it if you want to. Like today I decided to have leftovers instead of having the salad that I was supposed to. But, oh, by the way, I made these really, really good black bean taquitos. Just super tasty. Really, really good. I don't know. Like, so it's just like black bean, uh, vegan cream cheese, a little bit of salsa, and then like basically just the different stuff that goes into taco seasoning. And, uh, and you do that in a, a food processor or blender. Um, and then that's your filling for the taquitos. And then you just, you know, like warm the tortillas, put the stuff in, roll them up, and then bake them, uh, for like 10 to 15 minutes. And I did it with uh, my avocado lime sauce uh, and some salsa. Oh, and that's what I had for leftovers today because I kept eyeing the one that was left. And I was like, I'm really <laughs> I've been craving like uh, baked macaroni and cheese, potato salad. And uh, this is a weird one for me. Collard greens. Like I haven't had collard greens in like a minute, but I'm like, yeah, that'd be so dope right now. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I mean, I, I assume that collard greens when normally cooked has like a bunch of fat or like you know like bacon grease or like butter and or some other like non-vegan ingredients so you'd have to yeah as a substitute a couple things but yeah it sounds kind of like what my mom does but it's like (laughs) i was like yeah that would be so dope um but yeah you know uh, one of my sons came to town and uh, we went to red robin the other day for lunch and uh it was really good like the impossible burger uh, it's really a good burger. Um, can't say enough good things about it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I just, I really wish that I could find it in a store, like a local store. Um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe Wegmans will carry it. I doubt it. Yeah. Well, I know, uh, which one I just saw the impossible, like 
a pack. So I think it's like a pound and a half or something like that. Mm-hmm. I thought in some advert. It was probably public, so I don't remember. Oh, uh, so I'm going to definitely check those out. Yeah, I'll have to double check that next time. Yeah. Sports. So aside from that, sports is going to not be a thing. So I, I guess the NFL is canceling the preseason. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess they were always – it seemed very likely that they were going to do that because it's just an opportunity to introduce, you know, it, it's just more chances for people. I just – I still, unless you're making all of these guys wear, like, medical face shields, I mean, right. are they sitting there cutting out, like, plexiglass like the freaking McDonald's I went to yesterday? Dude, have you been to, like, a McDonald's lately? I bet probably not. Well, actually, I went through a drive-thru the other day. Did they uh, have, like, this very, I don't know, amateurly cut plexiglass that still had the painter's tape on it so that it didn't splinter that was then just double-sided Velcroed to the outside of the window to create, like, a face shield that they could reach under? Uh that's bootleg. That's but. that's what that is what is happening at the one up the street on Harrison from me. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No, dude. Like I stopped there on Sunday uh, to get my kid a Happy Meal because that's what she wanted, and I was like, yeah, whatever. Oh wait, I don't have to make you food. Um, and so yeah, like I pulled up and I was like, really? This is and like both both windows, both the pay window and the food window, it was like that. That is super bogus. Yeah. <laughs> It was really janky. <laughs> yeah, I stopped in the drive-thru on my way to Virginia. And, um, like, my daughter is spending a couple weeks with her uncle. And um, so we stopped at the McDonald's. Dude, breakfast for people that are on plant-based diets sucks for yeah. fast food. So I got, like, two hash browns. And <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of the time. Like, you're basically – and even then – Hash browns you're probably okay with, but don't doesn't McDonald's cook their fries in vegetable oil? Is it just vegetable oil? Yeah. Okay. And I think there was a rumor that there was like, you know, meat fat or something like that in it. But that is that is a rumor. Yeah. You're not asking how I know. No, I I have no <laughs> idea how you would know that. <laughs> it's an ugly, dirty rumor. It's an ugly, uh, dirty rumor. But yeah, would, so sports is not looking good. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think baseball with the Orioles have four players. Uh, the Marlins, or the Marlins. Yeah, and like like uh, seventeen players, I think. It's yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I just I really don't understand how how football and even I mean basketball. I know that like. They've said that that if there was if there's anybody that's basically doing it right, it's basketball. That they're the only ones who sat there and said, "Okay, we're going to get all the guys here. We're going to put everybody on lockdown. We're going to test the crap out of everybody, and we're not going to let. We're going to do our absolute best to let nothing come in or out. And that's all you can do. But not everybody, right? Like in the NBA, you've got you're not even looking at all the teams because you're not doing a full season. You're just doing the playoffs. So you got eight teams on both sides. You've only got what max 10 players per team. So 160 guys, which I know even sounds like a lot. I mean, that's way more than 10, right? But Hey, technically if it's gatherings of 10 or more groups of 10 or more, if the coaches and the bench stay six feet apart, 
then the players are only 10 on the court at one time. Boom. They solved it. So in the NFL, we just got to go five on five. No sidelines. <laughs> it's going to be NFL blitz. <laughs> it's just going to be a running back, a quarterback, two wide receivers, and a center. <laughs> That's uh, it. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I, I just think that um, they're contact and semi-contact sports. And you got to – it's just not worth it. And I, and I get the argument that most NFL players, they've, what, they've got three to five years in their career, and they're going to miss salary for a year. Sure. Um, okay. Next. I mean, like, I understand that there are NFL players who even at, you know, the minimum salary of half a million dollars a year are not in a position where they can miss a year's worth of salary. I mean, most Americans aren't in a position where they could miss an entire year's worth of salary. Right. Right. So I think in some regards, like, yeah, I get it. That that's not an easy decision to make for anybody. So here's where I'm on the fence about it. So uh, I said this in front of my wife and she got super pissed at me uh, because A-Rod's a, uh, he's a piece of work on this one. The, the $493 million man, yeah. right? It's like, dude, you know that for people without guaranteed salaries, they're not going to get paid. But there are enough players that are cautious about the predicament they can be in and you're pushing for them to play, Right. So, you know, and I, I don't dislike A-Rod. I do think that the people that called him a hypocrite, I agree. You know, he's a $493 million man. It's like, dude, you got paid no matter what, you know, and your last couple seasons sucked. So, <laughs> but um, then I saw this thing about this pitcher for San Fran that said, um, it, this is weird. It's an interesting argument. He said he didn't kneel for the national anthem because he's a Christian. And I don't know why that was the headline, but that was the headline. Um, his point about Black Lives Matter, he said they're a Marxist group, and that's actually taken out of context. So it just kind of lets me see that propaganda against this organization sucks. You know, yes, a couple of the co-founders are vocal Marxist type people. Doesn't make the organization Marxist, right? right. Um, then he took out of context their their feeling about the Western nuclear family. Well, in retrospect, it was actually Nancy Reagan that said it takes a village to raise a child. So it just—I just found it kind of off-putting that, again, we have this this conservative misinformation about certain things, but it becomes like their their banner. It's, yeah. yeah, the rallying cry. Yeah, and then then it's like, dude, like go read your Bible again. <laughs> I always want to say that. Like, I have the my biggest beef right now with the people that are professing Christians. So. Well, because ultimately, what it really boils down to is you're looking for any excuse. Yeah. You know, like that's it's not about that actually being true. It's it's that I need literally any reason that isn't the real truth, which is that I am racist. But does all right, so <laughs> I mean I guess I guess the, being the, against the Black Lives Matter movement or the organization doesn't 
necessarily make you inherently racist, but I don't know. I mean, are you, yeah. So like, I understand the argument that he may not believe or he may not get behind the individual founders beliefs, but is the mission of the organization that far off that he can't say, well, I don't agree with the founders. I do support what they're trying to accomplish. You know, um, I don't think that yay or nay on Black Lives Matter is uh, means you're inherently racist. I just no. think that, I do think they have a marketing problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I think you know, like you talk about the founders, but I think like it's it's widely regarded as a movement with no political leanings. Well, with no well with no leader, no like true individual like leadership. Now that's well yeah, I think they have a marketing problem they have to figure out because one organization in California may be completely different than Pennsylvania. Um so it's kinda and, like the clan. Uh, no. Let's start with no on that one. Uh but well actually that's a fair assessment, right? But no, only <laughs> so, in only in that very very small way. Yeah, <laughs> Just to be yeah. clear, <laughs> yeah. So it's like they need to figure that part out for themselves. Um, and I, and I don't have. Um, I understand his point of view. I just don't think it's guided the right way. So I understand what he's trying to say or what he's saying. I don't think the two things are. Mutually exclusive. Well, and I guess like that was going to be my my next thing was that it it's one thing to say maybe you don't agree with the founders or maybe you don't even agree with the way that the organization is going about trying to achieve its goals, but acknowledging that the goals themselves are still worthy of trying to achieve, I think is an important distinction to make. And yeah. I didn't see the interview, so I'm not speaking specifically of him, but it just in general, that seems to be a very, you know, that it's like, oh, well, is it, is it hashtag BLM? Bam. Then I don't care. Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm ignoring this because somebody associated it with Black Lives Matter. And I, well, you have Senator uh, Loeffler in Georgia, who's uh, probably, you know, she was probably, just going to have her feelings hurt because people are walking out during the national anthem. You know, who made the funniest comment. There was a coach that said, no, it was actually, um, gosh, Mark Cuban. He goes, what if every American <laughs> before you started working had to play the national anthem? Yeah. I'm like, that's a very good point. Like, you know, when I go to work, I don't have to, you know, stand for the national anthem, you know? Um, and I don't have a Neil Stan point of view because I think that, it's a choice that somebody has to make. Um, I traditionally used to stand for the national anthem because, you know, my parents served this country and I have a respect for my parents. But if I'm being honest, if the national anthem's on now, I really don't care. Like, I don't think this country has shown um, a lot of love, you know, to black people. So I was like, I'm good. Like, I love the country. I'm not proud of it right now. So. I mean, I, yeah. And really the only group that I think has ever been shown any love by this country is white males. 
Yeah. You know, that's pretty much it. it was white straight males, by the way. Yeah. Mike Dick, Mike Dick just said, uh, if you don't stand for the flag, you should get the hell out of the country. It's yeah, like, I saw that. It's like, what the hell are you talking about? I. And it, and it, you know, it's one of those things that, like, we've talked about, where it's kind of like, you don't want to know. Like, just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> like, what? What are you really hoping to accomplish? Like, did Mike Ditka think that by saying that he was going to solve everything, that what this conversation was missing was an old white dude to give his opinion? <laughs> because, I mean, I think we've heard quite enough of that at this point. But to be fair, like, this is, um, I want to say a couple things. One, I do kind of feel this is a that podcast, so you should feel free to do that. <laughs> I've got that. one. I think that the argument that sports is not the place to talk about politics is a stupid argument coming from people that are in power. So, well, because they're the ones who are who pay the freaking NFL in order to advertise all of their military crap. They're literally the ones who are injecting the politics into the sports yeah it's like you know i I, (laughs) it's not the i mean the nfl didn't go begging for that money yeah it was all a giant marketing campaign so you know i I don't have a um i I don't have a stance on meal stand for the anthem i understand the argument some people make but what always blows my mind especially in sports it's that these are the same people that get pissed off if you talk about the freaking guns, these are the same people that really talk about freedom of speech, speech and expression. The same people that rarely realize that those arguments are basically talking about Congress and the government, you know, squelling your, your speech and making you can't making sure you can't assemble and stuff like that. Yeah. So I really don't care. So if, as a private organization, if the NFL says no kneeling, okay. If I work, if I want to work for the NFL, then I can't kneel. As a spectator, you know, I don't work for you. Yeah. You know, so I I just think that that's just kind of what you know how I feel about that. It's time for politics. And the first, for just for people that keep forgetting this, the First Amendment says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. It doesn't say on your private property, on somebody else's private property, you can say, and do whatever you want. Also, it doesn't say you don't have to wear a mask. Yeah. Because that's the same people. <laughs> it's just silliness. It's like Google exists, guys. If you haven't read the Constitution, it's out there. <laughs> Google is a, um, is a corrupt left-wing organization whose only goal is to destroy the Republican democracy that they have built within this country. And hand oh, yeah. things over to the anarchist liberals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because once Joe Biden gets elected, he's never stepping down. 
That is the stupidest thing ever. Man. You'll have to pry it from my cold dead. <laughs> it is the stupidest thing ever. So you guys probably heard episode 27. If you haven't, I'm going to let you know something. I, I, I put some, some pepper on my food when I was talking. And I realized something actually Monday morning, actually Sunday morning. I am angry. I am angry as hell at where this country is. Now, I'm allowed to be angry because anger is a good thing. I just have to check and monitor how I respond to it. So what keeps me in check with that, there is a verse in the Bible that says, be angry, but sin not. So I'm allowed to be angry as I want to be. I just have to make sure what I do is productive with it. And I don't think speech is a, um, a reflection of like who I am as a person. But I will tell you, I'm angry as hell. There's some crazy stuff going on right now. <laughs> it's like bananas crazy. I've never in my life thought I would be living through a time like this. Yeah. No, it is. Um, and it's it's exhausting on so many different levels and like it has been for so long now, (laughs) you know, I think like we're going on five years of putting up with the circus show that is Donald Trump. And from the get go, it's just been one scandal or one ridiculous thing or one racist comment or like after another, you know, and I'm with you in that I would love for anybody to point to anything redeeming or successful that the man has done in his time in office. He has not brought anybody together to actually pass any sort of real legislation. He's done nothing but sign executive orders. And for anybody that wants to come at me with anything that he has done, in the last couple of weeks regarding executive orders, i.e. lower drug prescription costs, not effective, can't be enforced, literally does absolutely nothing. Like the guy is literally begging you to vote for him at this point. Him wearing a mask finally in public is begging you. All he's doing is trying to give you an excuse to vote for him. Don't fall for it. Don't do it. Like it's just, he is a freaking like snake oil salesman and you fell for it once. Don't do it again. Like I just, there are, I understand that you may not like Joe Biden, that you may not feel like a democratic president or a Democrat as a president is the right person to run this country. We can change it again in four years. If we don't like it, like that's the whole point. We don't have to stick with our mistakes. It's okay to admit that it was a mistake to, you know, elect Donald Trump. Like, it, it, you know, Hillary Clinton wasn't a great option either. I get it. We have to admit that mistakes were made and we have to move on. Like, we cannot, we can't be so blind to not recognize that and think that the only way forward is to dig our heels in more. Like, that's, nothing is going to be solved from that. I saw a panel this morning, uh, six voters that all voted for Trump, um, and they were asked if they would vote for him again. It was 50-50, right? One of the guys made a statement that just, <laughs> it's so hilarious. So Trump was doing a doing an interview with uh, Barstool Sports, 
And uh, because that's an important. No, because that is that is his that is his demographic. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it's. Oh, <laughs> yep. Okay. Sorry, so I true. won't do the thing where I literally insult <laughs> an entire large yeah, swath of people by categorizing the barstool sports uh, audience. But please continue. <laughs> he says he was the happiest and the wealthiest before he ran for president. Four years before he ran for president, when he was the wealthiest and the happiest. And the guy says, well, what's interesting about that is Barack Obama was the president. <laughs> so he was the wealthiest when the guy he's got the biggest stiffy for was the president. Yep. He was the happiest when the guy he's got the biggest stiffy for was the president. And I, I um, you know, I've been trying to curb my anger with him and you know after you know john lewis the senator that passed away he made a comment that i've been kind of pondering he says don't get to a point where you hate and i'm really struggling with that with donald trump but he he made it i mean he makes a good point we can't get to a point where we hate other people and i i gotta kind of rescind and try to work on my uh, level of hatred for the person as much as possible, even though, I mean, he's very, he doesn't get it. I think Congress doesn't get it. There are 47 million, last time I checked, unemployed Americans right now. They're trying to pass the HEROES Act, is what they're calling the bill. And there's a couple of things I found out about. Yeah, there's a couple of things about that where I was just like, you guys just don't get it. I listened to Larry Kudlow, uh, and I wasn't a big fan of him on CNBC. But he explains that in, in Mnuchin, they're both explaining the fact that people were making $600 a week on top of unemployment benefits, and they felt that it was an incentive for them not to go to work. And I said, guys, I think you missed the most important thing. If that's the case, what does that tell you about the people that are getting this benefit? They're not making enough money to survive. Yeah, that's not the problem. The problem is they can't work. They don't want to work. They, there's no incentive for them to work because they're making too much money but to stay home. It's the same welfare, you know, like argument that people have been making for years where it's that people are inherently lazy and give them, give them an inch and they're going to take a mile. And yeah, some people are that way. Sure. Like if I, if I have a hundred people, 10 of them are going to scam the system, right? Like, but you know what? I'm helping 90 freaking people. Like, I, I'm just going to deal with the fact that 10 are scamming it and move on. Like, it's, it's, it's no different than Congress. It's no, so different. I mean, well, except it's the other way around, maybe. <laughs> I think I got a much better rate at hitting a scammer in Congress than I do in the welfare line <laughs> or in the freaking voting line or in the yeah. mail-in voting ballot. Yeah, the fact is the stat they threw up was one in five people uh, – refused to go back to work because they were making more money not going to work. That tells you something. Number one, they're not making enough money at their current job. So that, you know, how depressed is said industry they're working in? You know, um, it tells you about the employer where people aren't even, you know, I don't think it's government's responsibility to provide a living wage. I think that's the responsibility of the employer, you know, be competitive. So you attract the right people. And then to, you know, to hear how they now they finally get it. They're, they're going to allot, I think it's $180 billion, I want to say, and I could be wrong, um, 
or maybe it's, I, I want to, I'm going to stick with $180 billion to small businesses so they can open them back up because 40% of all restaurants are not opening back up. So Yelp did a study and that's the number. 40% of the businesses, restaurants that close will not open back up. And I said before, restaurants are an industry that I, I, I've always looked at as an indicator of the economy. And if 40% of them are not opening back up and 47.7% of all Americans work for small businesses, and I believe it's 60% are uh, restaurants in that same class, there's a lot of people that are not going to go back to work. I'm so glad you didn't ask me what the percentage was because I got lost in all those numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait, let me get my Excel spreadsheet open. Can you say those numbers again? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, but, right. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. Like there are ultimately a ton of people that aren't going back to work in large part because they don't have anywhere to go back to work. Like the place that they would have gone back to work is not open. There are other, especially in the restaurant business. Like, I mean, you're lucky if the restaurant that you were running is still doing takeout at this point. You know what right. I mean? You think about the fact that their liquor sales are non-existent for months now. Yeah. And that's typically 60% of the revenue generated in a restaurant. Easily. And it's, I, you know, I mean, and I think was, I think it was in North Carolina where there was a restaurant group that petitioned to allow them to sell mixed alcohol drinks to go. <laughs> in an attempt to, you know, basically stay in business and recoup that revenue that they were, lo that they'd lost. Because they're they they haven't found a way to do that, you know. I'm on the fence about. Uh, I'm really on the fence about how we assist small businesses. Um, if I'm being honest, because I I do think a lot of it is underinvestment in your actual startup costs. Um, I do think a lot of it may be how people, you know, stored their pennies for those rainy days. So. Like, and I admit this, ladies and gentlemen, I don't have an answer. I do think some of these businesses probably should go out of business. Um, and it's not because I don't think people don't have the right to, to start a business. But when you go into business for yourself, you expose yourself to the elements and you want to make sure that you're able to insulate. And I, I just don't think a lot of people were set up that way. And maybe it's a, it's a matter of crappy timing. I, I don't know, but. I mean, there's some of that, but I think, you know, there's also, especially when it comes to the restaurant business, you know, you and I have talked about this, like you are lucky if you turn a profit by year, like three, you know, right. like those first two years, you're dumping money into the restaurant. And yeah. I think what you're seeing a lot of is people who think that it is a get rich quick scheme that I can get some hot shot you know, chef and put a, a restaurant together and boom, I'm going to start making money right off the bat. And that's just not ultimately how that industry works. And there was an article, I think it was in the Triangle Business Journal, or maybe it was the News and Observer, about one of the restaurants in downtown Raleigh that was closing um, permanently following the pandemic. And they interviewed the chef who I guess, you know, was on 
top chef or something like that. And he's got several different restaurants and this was one of his newer ones. And he was like, yeah, you know, unfortunately this was just my business partner, not understanding that this was going to take time. You know, some people get into this and they don't realize that this is a two to three year investment before you turn around and start making a profit. And, you know, after year one, they decided they were going to invest in more profitable, uh, you know, ventures. And so unfortunately we're closing the door and that's, you know, I think even where you have a successful concept, right, or the potential for a for a successful business, you have people that are, have completely unrealistic expectations, or like you're saying, they get into it completely underfunded, where they yeah. don't have the capital set up to be able to float for the first two years until they start making a profit. Expect day one, you know, turnaround, and that's just that's not how that industry works. No, it's not. It's um. Another interesting stat is the average small business owner makes sixty thousand dollars a year, right? So, you know, I may have told you about my food truck <laughs> almost adventure. Like busting my butt for seven days a week to go make a salary I can make like in two days is is ridiculous. Yeah. So unless you're super passionate about the restaurant industry, I just would steer clear. <laughs> like it's. Like 60K, I get it. It's, it's a lot of money for, you know, it's a decent salary. But Or if you just have a ton of money and you want to throw it away on something. <laughs> Maybe you need a tax shelter or something yeah. to launder money through. Maybe you want to make less money. Are you making too much money following Donald Trump's tax cuts? Invest in restaurants. <laughs> To get poor quick scheme. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 funny. I I just think that you know there's the, the fragility of our economy has never been more blatant than what it is now. Um, and I'm hopeful that again. I still feel like it's going to be you know 2022 where we start to really get our head above water because the unemployment numbers don't seem to be getting better. Um, Google actually just uh, decided to have all their employees work from home until next July. So um, I don't really see the economy rebounding the way it was, if I'm being honest. No. Uh, And I think, you know, there's a, in addition to all of the things that we've already outlined both here today and on previous episodes, I think the other element is that there's a lot of companies in the U S that are dependent on overseas markets that haven't opened up yet. You know, um, places like, you know, companies that manufacture and and have all of their employees here, but all of their sales essentially happen in Europe or in Asia somewhere. And, you know, if like if Japan is a big customer of yours, guess what? People aren't getting on trains like they don't have cars to go do things you know (laughs) people are basically stuck staying home um and so it's it's just i don't know it's an interesting time and i think you're absolutely right like it's it's going to be a like it's going to be a long time i think we'll be lucky to some degree if by 2022 like we've turned that corner and it's starting to look like decent again you know i well we learned some lessons in 08 and 09 um uh okay i take who's that we i guess is the better question <laughs> well, <I'm not. laughs> you and me sure I know. <laughs> don't touch don't touch right um but I, I just feel like the next recovery package that they're proposing 
it they they're trying to make sure that most of the money goes to the true small business owner. Um, but how much do you want to bet when all of it's when all of the dust settles here, news comes out once again that somebody that really shouldn't be getting this money or that the money wasn't intended to go to somehow right. magically qualifies for it. And I mean, I'm just like, I I know again it's not any different depending on who's in charge or who's in the white house but like these guys are just robbing us blind that's all they're doing is funneling taxpayer money to their freaking cronies like and it's it's like what we talked about with my dad on the unions and i mean that is exactly what politics are at this point like the, the it's not a republican party it's not a democratic party it's a union yeah there's actually the uh the Voter confidence in government is like at an all-time low, and it's only been declining every year or every decade for the last like four or five decades. Um, and we keep missing the mark here. We don't understand that. We, when I say we, I mean the citizens. We don't understand that these people work for us. You know, um, there are things that we should be doing to make sure we have the right politician in an office. And I don't, I don't have a, I do have a solve. It's painful, but really drain the swamp. Like, and I mean, like people really should have, you should have to answer basic questions about who you're voting for when you're voting for them. There should be a, you know, a, a summary of the three strong points, three opportunities the person has on the ballot. So you can say, oh, he's a car thief or whatever it may be. And they should have to disclose those things. It should not be, let me vote based off of, of an advertisement. Let me vote based off of a social media, like barrage of crap, which, you know, it's just, some, it's, we're what so some union boss somewhere tells me to vote. Yeah, you know? We're so informed about who we're putting in office. And we wonder why we get the same results. Um, I, well, you know, some I, of us I, do. Well, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I did not vote for uh, the guy. <laughs> so it, it's just, you know, my anger is, it's like, what do we do different? What what do we do to to kind of, you know, weather this storm? And whether it's a matter of race relations are terrible, <laughs> first of all. Yep. The pandemic response is horrific, and I would be surprised to see if there's if the Republicans don't just lose the Senate, but re, any Republican governor that is doing a piss poor job right now, oh, you better believe they're not going to get reelected. You have nothing but cannon fodder to, to like lob at them on their reelection campaign. Like it's going to be easy ways to snipe them out. It should uh, be. I mean, it, it certainly should be. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm hoping and praying that Mitch McConnell, who's, who's up for re-election, doesn't get re-elected. I'm hoping and praying that uh, Lindsey Graham doesn't get re-elected. I, I just, I can't imagine people... Here's, here's why I think they're going to... Well, I, I have a strong feeling they're going to lose the Senate. But listening to people that are former Trump supporters and current Republicans who are so scared about what their party represents. 
like Donald Trump has alienated people that, and I, like I said before, I don't know what they're trying to conserve, right? I don't know what that means. You know, I'm tired of the argument about, oh, they're, you know, they're going to, you can't, you won't be able to go to church. Man, shut up. Nobody's trying to hear that crap. You know, um, but I, it's just oh, but, amazing. But uh, Chief Justice Roberts let down all of his conservative supporters oh. because he didn't side with all of the other people on you gotta, Nevada reopen their churches. Dude, you got to vote with your conscience and you have to vote. And he's got to judge based on the law. Yes. And that's, thank, thank God. <laughs> Let me put it that way, right? Like, just... I... I don't know, man. I um, th- that's the other thing that like I'm just terrified of is that four more years of Trump means that he's gonna put more people on there that that don't think that way because I don't get the feeling that Brett Kavanaugh or Neil Gorsuch feel that way. Consider like or not even that they feel that way because as a judge, it's not about your personal beliefs. Right. It's about the merits of the case that's presented in front of you. And determining how it falls against the laws that are written and the precedence that's been set before. And so it your personal beliefs should not factor into that one way or the other. It should be how good of a freaking judge are you? Yeah. But we're again, like we've we've injected right, like the political parties into the judicial system now too. And to a certain extent, like I know that it's always been there. But now that it's like so much at the forefront, it's just it's I don't know. The thing that confuses me is that people they also they, they often misconstrue the the fact that uh, the Supreme Court is a lifetime appointment, and things happen when life happens. So think about uh, Dick Cheney, who is very like super negative with you know, homosexuals and, and LGBTQ community and his daughter is a lesbian, right? His whole conversation changed after he was like, oh, I got to deal with this. Um, it's it's a matter of, that, and that's why I say principle, conscience, and then, the, and then the law take effect for a decent judge. You know, um, you can only write, I mean, when you have to look at yourself in the mirror, and question why you did and said something to a point of, wow, I'm, I'm a really crappy person. You're not going to make that same mistake multiple times. And I think that's where that judge is. If you, if you are a person that holds yourself accountable. Yeah. Yes. And if we're, if, and I agree that that's exactly where judge Roberts is. Yeah. I don't think Clarence Thomas is. I mean, he, you know, he may be, I mean, he's not, he's not, his life convictions are eventually going to catch up with him. And what, I, what I'm sick and tired of hearing from people that say they're quote-unquote conservatives, that it's about their faith. And again, I strongly disagree with that. Like, I think that your faith is, is false. Life. Like, whatever church you go to, you're probably, okay, you're probably in line with that church. Mm-hmm. But you got to stop saying you're a freaking Christian please, for everything that's holy. And Christianity in America, I've been reading quite enough articles and I've experienced it myself. I do believe that, unfortunately, Christianity in America is more about power and control than it is about any biblical value. 
So, you know, again, I got beef with American Christians. I got beef with the, the you know, with Protestants. I've got beef with Catholics. I've got beef with, uh, you know, that's about it. You know, it's just like, hey, you guys are you're, you guys are talking on the side of your neck. <laughs> you know, stop saying that. It's not true. It's not what you're saying is not a true statement. Uh, I, I recently read an article about how uh, slave owners back in the day would take their slaves to church with them, like it was a like an adornment of you know their power, or like you know driving a cattle like the church. I'm like, come yeah. on, man, that's where we're at. You know, and you guys think much has changed in the society since then. People to say that we don't have a race problem in America because we had a black president. I'm not racist. I have a black friend. <laughs> that's the funniest thing. That's like, hey, America, like that's, that's your qualification. I mean, you and know? that was the whole thing, right? Like it was uh, the taking taking the slaves to church on Sunday and getting you know dressing them up was to show off how good they were to their slaves, you know, look at how good I treat my slaves. And it's like, you realize that there's, there's just still your slaves. Like that's, it's not about, I mean, yes, you treat them like shit all the rest of the time. So, but, but still like the underlying issue here is the, is the slave part, not, not the other part. Like, jeez. I've been doing doing some uh, further research on it. And I kind of, I understand why people were, accepting about that idea there's a number of times in the new testament where you know you'll hear phrases like slaves obey your masters and you know whether you or you know i'm paraphrasing your way you can free your slave the the thing that they don't understand and the context of the word slave in that time there were a lot of indentured servants or a lot of people that a job was a slave it wasn't like you know a slave slave it was like a job was a slave Right. And I think people disconnect that that historical fact with what they see on TV or movies. And it's like, no, that's not the way the economy worked. And it wasn't that, you know, although there were different classes of slaves. So there, there's a whole nuance to that whole like historical context of what was said and, and how it was actually part of the society. Not making it necessarily right. But that is a fact of life. And if you look at further throughout, throughout history, where the slave component of society vanished, and you just had a lot of indentured servants, or you had a lot of employees of a house master, or some, you, know, you worked on a, in some, you know, like feudal, feudal, like, you know, papacy type thing, where it's like, well, you know, I work for this, the Lord, you know, Smith or whatever. So, what 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 often amazes me is like people forget that historical context. Yeah, yeah. I gave you a promotion. So, <laughs> so it just blows it blows my mind of such a supposedly intelligent group of people in society how stupid they are. Yeah, it's um, I don't know. I think to me, I always kind of look at it as 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 much as you may want to point to the t- text of the Bible to prove your really ba- backwards ass point, <laughs> even, even if somehow that was what the Bible was talking about, I think the 
concept that we can't grow to learn that things that were acceptable at the time that the Bible was written in humanity aren't necessarily the same things that are still like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But like, here's where I, I will challenge that. Right. In one simple verse of the Bible, the greatest commandment of all, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. And then, to paraphrase again, and love thy neighbor as yourself. So this is the, we keep talking about all these commandments and, and that's where people want to go. It's a stupid argument and it's way, way overrated. Guys, the greatest commandment of the guy that you say you believe in, the guy that you say like is the king of your life. He said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, all thy mind, and love thy neighbor as thyself. Are you doing that? Where does slavery come into play there? So that argument, I can always say, yeah, here you did. And a lot of people take a lot of things out of the Bible, out of the Bible, out of context, and stupid people listen to them. That's not what the Bible's saying. Like when the Pharisees asked Jesus, trying to trick him, yo, so we do all these, we've got these commandments, we've got all the laws, what's the greatest one? He was like, this one. I'm not coming to replace it. This is what you should be doing. And nobody can still do it thousands of years later. So I don't expect much from human beings. <laughs> but it's probably it's, a good plan. <laughs> The point, I mean, my point is like, can you try just do the one thing you're asked to do? Like literally when people keep trying to do the, the three card Monty about this, you know, oh, I'm holier than thou. It falls apart when you compare it to that one simple commandment. And that's what baffles me for a bunch of people that think they're so sophisticated, so intelligent, so, you know, it's. Let me let me wrap it up like this. I hate those stupid ASPCA commercials. With the Sarah McLaughlin song? Everything that's holy. I hate those commercials. They are the dumbest commercials ever invented on the planet. And the newest one with Eric McCrimmon, some actor. I don't know what he does. Yeah. Here's what blows my mind about these commercials. A couple things. And I'm going to break it down for you so you understand where I'm going. With this. No, no, please do. They pay the rights for whatever the pressing song they get. Right? Yeah. I will. They show all these. <laughs> it, it blows my mind. They're asking me for $19 a month. At the same time, they have this maybe the, the simple spoke, cost of one latte a day. Yeah, nineteen dollars a month. They're asking me for nineteen dollars a month, so that they can it's, pay Sarah McLaughlin more money. Right. They've got some high-paid actor, maybe actor volunteer their time. I don't want to put that evil on them, Ricky Bobby. But you want to hear what blows my mind? Because I'm asking myself as I'm watching this new commercial, and it's depressing and moistening. Two things blow my mind. One, the CEO of the ASPCA makes $737,000 a year. Woo. He must be doing a really good job. Apparently not because they still need money. Oh. Right? <laughs> Wait, but I thought that was his job, was to make sure uh, they get more money. 
Okay, all right, sure. So that blows my mind. The second part that blows my mind is we have the compassion of an animal that's been mistreated. We have more compassion about that than we do literally homeless children, literally people getting you know killed by police officers, literally racial injustice and inequities, literally food deserts in urban areas, literally no banks in, in places, crappy schools, and I can go on and on and on and on. And we put more of our effort and energy. And I'm not, I'm not saying I don't love animals. I have two dogs myself. And one of them is a rescue. Well, we rescued one from a bad situation and later got a sister, right? I love animals. But I also love people. If my effort was to make sure people were in a better place, I'm sure the animals would follow. Who do you love more, people or animals? People. See, I, I love animals more. Okay. I mean, if my dog got sick and it was like a $30,000 surgery, I'm sorry. No, I mean, it's, yeah, I've been there. But, I mean, my kid got sick and it was a $30,000 surgery. But, well, he had a good run. <laughs> I almost made it to seven. It's better than I thought. <laughs> no, I um, I'm sorry, I can't. <laughs> I don't know what to, I don't know what to do with that. I, I love you. <laughs> if you come over here, we'll take care of you. Your dad and lost you. <laughs> no, I agree. I mean, I think like it's 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 always kind of that like anytime that you're making a donation to any sort of charity, like. These days, you have to look into it because not only are there a bunch of crappy like charities that, I mean, like the Red Cross is is one of the ones that the American Red Cross is supposed to be one of the worst organizations to donate money to, because almost none of it ends up actually getting where it's supposed to go. Uh, Susan G. Komen breast cancer awareness, right? I think at one point served a very important purpose in raising awareness for the struggle of women going through and suffering from breast cancer. My mom is a survivor of breast cancer. I just think that awareness at this point is kind of moot. Like we all know it exists. Seeing more pink ribbons isn't going to make more awareness necessarily happen. I think it's time to focus our efforts elsewhere. Um, And I, I know that they do some of that, but it's like, a small part of the pot. And what you end up with is these organizations who their whole existence is just to make themselves exist. Like the whole purpose for them existing is to keep themselves afloat. And you end up with people that are CEOs of these places who make ridiculous amounts of money when it's absolutely unnecessary. And they'll argue, well, we have to pay someone if we want to manage an organization that's this large with this many blah, 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 blah. No, you know what? I'm sorry. Like that's just if you, if the only reason you're going to work at the American Red Cross is because they're paying you one and a half million dollars to do it, then you're not the right person for the job. Like I I, I don't know what to tell you. And I gave this the CEO of the ASPCA a pay cut. He makes seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I'm sorry, whoever you are, <laughs> that I cut your pay like that. But yeah, and it's um, you know, it's it's also a big issue that I take with a lot of organized religions and churches is because you look at the opulence in most of those cases. And I mean, like you go visit the Vatican 
or you know, you, I mean, hell, you go to the what the the new cathedral in downtown Raleigh. Like, right. I mean, that thing's not cheap, you know. And to some degree, to me, that feels very much like the golden temples and those sorts of things where, you know, it's, it's pitched as a way to please the gods, you know, or to please God and make, this is what will make God happy is if we build him this really big house. Well, I'm pretty sure if you go back and check, that was not what God asked you to do. He didn't say, Hey, build me giant houses and, you know, fill them with gold and diamonds and all this shit. Hey, and the, the preachers and priests and the people who are preaching my message, make sure that they are driving million dollar cars and flying around and, you know, G sevens. I don't even know what G we're up to now, but you know, like that's, that's where I'm, I'm constantly just like at odds with the overall message. Like I can get behind the good things that you can get behind love God with all your heart, mind, and soul and treat your neighbors yourself. Right? Yeah. That's super simple. Right. Not even complicated. Yeah. But everything else <laughs> is like, you know, that's not even there. Right. It, it's like this whole argument about the Confederate flag. Right. Ooh. It's like this whole argument about uh, my guns. It's like, all right, for people, again, my beef is with Christians. And check and listen to what I'm saying. God doesn't like false idols. You worship these statues as if they, you know, last time that happened, the golden calf, he wasn't too pleased with that. You want to talk about the commandments? Thou shalt have, thou shalt have no other God before me. For your God is a jealous God. But you want to spend so much effort and energy on these false things. And these are things that we have to prop up. Yeah, we get history. And history, yeah, it's written by the winners. Totally got that. But the battle you're fighting isn't for God. It's for your own pride. The buildings you're building isn't for God. It's for your own pride. I've heard and read a lot of stories about the house churches in China where people literally, like, they have this whole network of churches where, you know, they're all about their faith. They can get killed for having Bibles and are in prison and or killed. And that's that real Christian struggle. You guys want to get biblical? You're not living in that world. And that's present day. You want to talk about persecution (laughs) in the United States? Yeah. You know that there's a war against Christianity? Go to China. You know, like, I mean, there's a, a, a pastor I listened to a few years back. And he invited another pastor from Russia to the United States. And he's asking him, hey, so what do you think about America? And his answer was, huh, that's interesting that you asked me that question. We know in Russia the evils and Lucifer, no, and the devil as a roaring lion that seeks to devour. In the United States, Lucifer is also known as a god of light and beautiful. He compared the United States to the, the, the duplicity of the, of the person of Lucifer because that's who he is. He was the most beautiful angel. He's a shining beacon, most, you know, God's right hand man, you know. And there's a lot of reasons where that's not a very far off statement, you know. We look at, you know, we think that we've got it figured out. We've got this whole American. Uh, version of Christianity 
it's only to make people feel better. They want to feel better about them. People want to feel better about themselves, about their, their existence. And we fill that gap with a modified version of Christianity. And you're, whenever you tell me how you feel about the church, I never disagree with you because I agree with you hundred yeah. percent. And I think that, you know, again, my beef is with Christians. Stop the BS. The things you're talking about, God doesn't care about. He's like, I don't, I mean, I don't need that. You know, I don't need you to build me a, a building. I don't, you're not reaching me through your Confederate flag. Like you're not, these things that you're, you can't decide between right and wrong, but you want to decide that a flag is where you, you draw the line at. Yeah. Get out of here. I mean, a, the literal definition of like a false idol there. You know, I mean, the Confederate statues, same thing. Like, that's where you're going to draw the line. Yeah. That's that's what's offensive to you. And again, the simple rule, the simple request that we're asked to do, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and treat your neighbors as yourself. And ask me how anything that we see or hear is a reflection. Of so then ask me, well, why don't people believe in God? Well, if that's the God you worship, again, he's a punk. Well, if that's the God that's presented to you as the option of the God to to worship, right? Yeah. I mean, how, I how do you blame, right? And I know you don't. Like, <laughs> you, but it's like, you know, you, you see this, this push for the narrative that there's a war against Christianity. And it's not, I don't think that there's an actual war on Christianity in America. There's a war on American Christianity. This yeah. false Christianity that, yeah. that doesn't that worships the almighty dollar and doesn't believe in the, the true meanings of the Bible. Like the, none of that exists here that I know of. I, it doesn't. And I, and I know there are good churches out there and my, my fight is against the quote unquote American God. Like it's not against God. It's against God with a little G it's against the, the blasphemous, stupid, ignorant views, the lazy pastors, the lazy parishioners that go to these churches and don't know right from wrong. The people that don't know, like, hey, we were asked to do one simple thing that we still haven't gotten right in over 2,000 years. Like, you don't have to be a theologian to figure that out. And that's where it's like, yeah, when people say I don't believe in God, and they're American, I don't fault them. I don't. I'm like, yeah, I totally get it. I understand because that God does suck. You know, you think God is beeping around like, yo, you know, we need to have prayer in school. The Bible says you don't have to do all that stuff. You can go to your prayer closet. You can, you know, you can, you, Daniel was in the lion's den. Like he still prayed. There's a lot of ways you can pray. These are arguments that are not even like, Good arguments. Like you could sure. literally be praying in your head while saying the pledge of allegiance if you wanted yeah. to. Like <laughs> <laughs> the Bible. I mean, if I mean, I'll go toe to toe with anybody that wants to argue. You know, I'm not. Again, guys, I am a Christian. I am proud of my faith. I love God. I love trying to do the right thing, and I fail more often than not. I really do. I admit it though, and I ask for forgiveness for things that are egregious. I ask. And I've done things in my past where I'm like, yo, I would never do that right now. <laughs> but I totally did it. And I do believe there is a good and kind and loving just God. I do, but I do not believe, I wholeheartedly do not believe in the American God. 
the American guard God is bogus. And I will say it again, the American church, and I say church as a whole, because that's how it's presented in the Bible, as a whole body. We have some limbs that we need to go get checked out because they're they're messed up, man. We got arthritis. <laughs> we got the itis. And we don't some of them do might it. be straight up gangrenous. <laughs> <laughs> We do nothing. We listen to Joel Olstein. We listen to you know TD Jakes. Yeah, you know, I don't know. False prophets. Like the Bible is all about saying false prophets. Like, you know, you're gonna get taken away and they're gonna devour you. But you guys, just because you want to feel better, you think that's legit. And I think you're idiots. I think you're fools. I think that the the way you know that you're on the right path is that when everything around you is crazy, nothing makes sense, but you can yet find peace. That's how I know the God I believe in is real because I have lived, I live a life where sometimes I don't know up from down. Sometimes I don't, you know, I struggle with finding friend from foe, but I can tell you at the end of the night, I have peace. I struggle like everybody else, but I'm confident in what I believe in because I see the results of that in my life. And I can, I'll, I'll tell anybody like, hey, I love people. I hate where we are as a country right now. It disgusts me. It's disgusting. And for Christians, because that's who might be, I, I'm beefing with every Christian right now. If you can't do and follow a simple rule, and I know it's a hard one because we haven't gotten it right in over 2,000 years. The time is now for us to realize that. It's not a hard thing to do. You just have to try every day to be better than you were the next day and the previous day. And that, that's what I try to do. I don't, I'm not saying I got it figured out. I'm not a guru, you know, but I, I, it, it, I am angry and I haven't, and I, I'll tell you what, like the other day, I mean, last week, I, I wasn't sleeping well. And I literally woke up. It had to be Sunday morning. I was like, it was Sunday morning. I'm like, I'm angry. And like once I said, yo, I'm angry. <laughs> like that's what's wrong with me. I'm like, I'm dropping a lot of F-bombs. I'm like, you know, I'm wilding out, you know. <laughs> I'm like, that's, you know, that's okay. But like something's off here. It's because I'm angry. I felt this way when George Floyd died. It's like I'm losing I'm losing confidence that people care about the right things as a whole. Not everybody in the, not everybody, but as no, a whole. It, yeah, as a whole that we've lost focus on what's on what truly matters, you know, yeah. that that it's not about the me and it is ultimately about the we, you know, that we none of us do this alone, right? Like none of us goes through life all by themselves. You spend at least some time with other people and the the I don't know <laughs> the more that you can do to enrich your relationships and the lives of other people around you and and the harder that you try to do that the more that that comes back to you you know like it yeah. it's it seems very simple but you're right like it is very hard um, I mean I I struggle with that on a daily basis as well like even with my literal neighbors you know like I. <laughs> 
beyond that you know like i just I, i'll sit here and be mad at something and then i like i have to remind myself like dude just chill like it's not that big a deal he probably doesn't even realize that's something that bothers you yeah i mean you get but you <laughs> probably doesn't <laughs> but you got it i mean you got it like for me and like i'm really beef with, with american christians it it disheartens me to see that you know, it, it really does. Like when you think about here, here's how I look at it. This is kind of it's not lovey dovey. If I can wake up and feel like it's still worth it, and I, you know, as a black man in America, I often get the short end of the stick. And that's you know, don't feel bad for me. I don't expect anybody to be like, oh, Thank poor God. guy. I was like, yeah. So you expect me to feel bad for him? <laughs> My, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm willing to give myself grace and also apply that same grace to others. So that way I can try to, again, it's a super simple thing you were, were being asked to do. Love God with all, their, all thy heart, mind, and soul. Like, if is what I'm doing, does that show that I'm trying to do that? If it's yes, keep it moving. If it's no, what do I do to be better? And am I loving my neighbors myself? Like, and I take that one even more because when I think about it, it's like I feel like I wasted time with some incorrect views about other people. And I could have, and if I just would have dug a little bit deeper and asked myself, I'm not judging them by any stretch of imagination in an unfair way. I'm okay with that. But am I showing them love? And I mean, like, well, with my flaws, what would I expect, you know, for myself? Right? Would I want grace in this moment? Would I want somebody to try to understand me? On the flip side, am I being honest with them? I would want somebody to be honest with me. So that's where it doesn't have to be super complicated. You just have to know by what measure are you, are you judging your actions and your beliefs and your motivations by? And I do it every day. So, and that's somebody that in our society is not given a fair shake most of the time. I'm not going to say all the time. I'm going to say most of the time. Where I, I have to bring my script into, into the world and then figure out how do I navigate with my script into this world? And the simple question is, hey, are the things I'm doing show showing my love of God? Is what I'm thinking showing my love of God? Is what I'm doing showing my, you know, are things I, that come out of my mouth that shows that, hey, I'm trying to be a compassionate person because I believe this. Am I being honest with people, right? And then do I treat people the way I want them to be treated? Literally. Like, where, where grace is needed, do I provide grace? Where understanding is needed, do I provide understanding? Where honesty is needed? How hard is that? It's not cryptic. And that's where I think, Chris, where people get, they lose it with religion. Because it feels so cryptic and you know special and spiritual. And you have to have a secret decoder ring that you got in your Cracker Jack box. No, idiot. If you can read, you have a basic level of understanding. If the people that are leading your church are being honest about the word of God, then you make a change. 
And that's what we're missing. So again, my brother, when people say, yeah, I just, I just don't get down with that whole religion thing, especially Christianity. I know more Buddhists and Muslims and Mormons than I do Christians. You know why? Those are not, they are not cookie cutter religions, but they're the practicality of how people explain what they believe. People can get on board with that. American Christians, we've got like literally the crappiest marketing department on the planet. What we firmly believe is that we should not kill all the babies. (laughs) (laughs) Beyond that, we're not really sure, but we know babies, no. No babies. First of all, abortion in the, uh, the 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 right or the right side of the conversation or the conservative part of the conversation, it's not even it's not even a conversation. It was just a political ploy. Yeah, that's all it was, and and that's that's where we continue to end up, right? Is letting things like that be used as you know political chess pieces, essentially to strike at the emotions and to try and draw a response from people in order to galvanize them against this imaginary foe. I mean, we do it all the time in politics and it's not unique to the United States. Like, you know, the whole false flag thing, wag the dog. Like, I mean, that's frankly, it's getting quite old. Yeah. And I thought maybe we're, you know, fortunate in that we have the opportunity to change out our leader every four years so that that's true. You know, we're not stuck. (laughs) <laughs> unendingly <laughs> this here's, my, here's my stance on abortion just shouldn't be birth control that's it yeah that's a super easy peasy fix yep it's like and you hey, know what a really good way to, to make that happen make birth control accessible <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a good point oh, or, yeah, i'm just know. saying like you can't really be anti both and then still be upset. Like it, I'm just kind of like, well, what do you expect? Because the whole abstinence thing, yeah, like you don't believe that. So why do you expect anybody else to? <laughs> you know, even better way. Okay, I'll give you that. Even if you want to like try to beat this dead horse, if there were jobs in these communities, yeah. I'm willing to put a, a quarter that if it did happen, it was an unplanned pregnancy. And as a parent, I can say most pregnancies are unplanned. I only had one planned pregnancy in my entire, as of the kids I've fathered and I'm a dad to. Only planned on one. The other two wasn't on the calendar. You know? <laughs> so, but being able to financially provide for my family was never the, op- I mean, was never the obstacle. So if you want it, like you. No, can... I mean you're absolutely right there. I mean because how often is that cited, right, as the case that it's like I don't have the opportunity to provide a good life. You right. Know, I I don't have the job. I don't have the house. I don't have the resources to be able to to afford. You know. I mean because you and I both know kids ain't cheap. Like and they just get more and more expensive as they get older. Like you think yeah. it's bad when they're a baby and they're going through diapers? That's nothing. Like that's, people that's are giving you shit for free at that point. Like you, you get Christmas and birthdays. That's all you get this time. Like after that. 
So <laughs> that is definitely the low end of the spectrum. And again, I, I'm going to start every time we talk about something, I'm going to beef with my Christian brothers and sisters. If you guys want to have you on the right side of that argument, fix the real problem. Yeah. Fix the opportunities. Yeah. Like fix the, I mean, the, if the real problem, it's not the abortion that's bothering you. It's not the abortion that's like, well, it does, it probably bothers you, but for the right reasons. Right. Right. If that was your daughter and you were in there and you understood their situation, would you be having that conversation? Remember Dick Cheney, right? When you have to, when that thing hits your front door, how many times do you see conservative politicians come out of the closet? Or like, have abortions. Or have abortions. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's usually like their mistress or something like that. But, <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I mean, I think we've talked about that before where it's like that is it, it's it's cliche at this point, you know, that me thinks he doth protest too much. Like, that's what it really boils down to is like, dude, how? how upset can you really be about this unless it's something that you're literally fighting inside of you, you know, that you are so conflicted about for whatever reason, like, I'm sorry, go deal with your own problems on your own personal time. Don't freaking inflict that shit on the rest of the country. Like yeah. get over that dude. Go I see did. a therapist if you need to. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> there was a congressman up for reelection and the GOP flipped on him because he, um, he actually officiated a uh, same-sex marriage, right, for one of his staffers. And I'm that, you know, I read that story and I, I kind of looked at it and I said, "You've got to be kidding me! Can we go back to rule number one? Let's go back to rule number one." No, we can't do that because we're so holier than thou. We think that this is this American myth, not not the country. The, the American country exists. <laughs> The American myth of our morals and values are so solid. Oh, I thought you meant Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah, man, we've got some. We've got dirt in our under our couch. We yeah, got the, the, the I think we've talked about that before too. Like this, this holier than thou, you know, presentation that America likes to put on. Yeah, like following World War One and World War Two, especially World War Two, America was very much looked at as kind of like the moral compass i guess to some degree but even then like the only reason we got involved was because we were like well this shit better not, better not end up over here no like, we actually, it was a power play well, i actually watched yeah. a documentary on the on those wars well, and japan was- <laughs> because japan was like we want hawaii <laughs> they were like fuck you we want hawaii we want those vacations for us <laughs> no we were we were down with the attack on pearl harbor right we weren't down with the extent of the war yeah, we weren't really down with going over to you know liberate uh, you know France and everything like that. We actually we played Not both sides. Of the table. Yeah, <laughs> we played both sides of the table in that war. Yeah. And oh, really, America? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like okay, and I'm not. I'm okay. To be fair, I, I am a little bit of a history buff, and I question stuff, right? To be fair, also, the Moss of Kippen's Creek. So I know when somebody right. And we did some dirt in that war. We had the UK bowing down to us. We made leverage on trade deals across Europe. We made leverage with NATO. I mean, we lined our pockets pretty nice. Huge. 
Not and to yet, mention the fact that we funneled our own like entire economy by building everything that we needed for the war. Yep. yep. And then on top of that, we we crapped all over Russia. Yeah. We don't win that war without Russia. No. And then we tried to strong arm Russia, and then we started we while well, we participated in the Cold War. Yeah. I didn't, I wouldn't say we created, but we participated. You know, participated. Yeah. I mean, I think we. Yeah. 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 It's like Russia, without Russia, ladies and gentlemen, students of history, and I don't, I'm not going to go into detail to detail, but we don't win that war. Like Russia did their job. They did their thing. And, you know, if that was like a homie on the street, you know, they had our back and we tried to, you know, strong arm them. Well, we get... turned around and ride them out to the cops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, right? <laughs> Because I was my homie. Yo, he had the bag. He had the bag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no way, man. It was him. That was all him. I was just holding it for him. Yeah, it's like, yo, we, we try to like put the bag on Russia. And <laughs> Russia was like, all right, I see you. I see you. Yo, yo, Castro, what's good? And yeah. so we almost had a nuclear war on our own doing. So JFK like skated out of that. So we we are. We don't have clean hands. It's not just slavery. There's a lot of things we don't have clean hands on. I mean, and I, pretty I, much I, all of South America. Oh, good lord! I only get into like the yeah, CIA. That's that's different. for another day. Yeah. <laughs> Pinochet and all that fun stuff. <laughs> I mean, and I'm not a conspiracy guy, but you know, game recognized game, right? So I'm just gonna say, if we think our original sin is is, is slavery, rightfully so, but we didn't get out of the game. Like we literally did not get out of the game. Yeah. There there are people that say, and I haven't because I don't want to, because I might go down a rabbit hole, that say that even the Great Depression was an instrument that we created. Um and I, I see some validity to that. When you look at how the stock market reacted then and like the epic F up there, it's like, yeah, I could totally see some validity in that argument that we probably played a part in the Great Depression as a, a country to our, unto ourselves. Yeah. So, you know, anyway, I don't do conspiracies. That's, I like my, that's my field. <laughs> well, you know, Chris, I, I mean, I, I love our time together talking, man. It's, it's, it's super dope. Don't you, lie. Nah. Okay. You feel I love our time talking. I, I, I literally feel bad about, um, you know, like I, I don't. Okay, I admit I'm angry, but I I want to make sure that I channel that anger the right way. I admit I have a level of hate for Donald Trump. I must admit that I have to channel that the right way, and understand what that emotion means. I can't hate. I should not hate another person, but I can definitely be indignant against their BS. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I don't think there's any reason you can't do that. Yeah. So, you know, thank you for, I mean, this helps me clear my head. Like I told you, brother, like I wasn't sleeping very well last week. I woke up Sunday morning and I realized I was actually angry. Um, and well, then I'll I will stop sending you articles about Donald Trump. I've <laughs> <laughs> got the problem, bro. The problem is like, you know, if you don't acknowledge those things that are floating around in your head, yeah. I mean, you, your brain marinates on those things. It's yeah. like that. It'll eat, it'll eat at you for sure i mean like that it'll just completely destroy you because that's all that your subconscious is focused on because yeah. you're you're 
you're you are not focusing on it and taking care of it in real time. So, you know, this helps me. Um, It's therapeutic, you know. Um, So I love doing this every week. It's it's dope. You know, we have a a website, chrisandandreshow.com. That's our platform. Uh, We get, maybe we'll go back and rehash some of our feelings about social media next week, but you know, the yeah, only thing while since we've talked about that. Because it's crazy out here, man. The street is crazy, B. <laughs> the street is crazy. We didn't even do our top ten rappers this week. Oh, do you have your list? I do. Yeah, let's go. All right. It's time for a Chris and Andre top ten. Do you want to start? No, you start. Oh, yeah, start, you start. All right, so before we do start, I I am going to say that I did there is one caveat to my list. Okay. Last week we were talking about top tens and you had your top tens. You wanted to do both overall and lyrical, which I respect. I thought given my level of expertise around rap, that was probably a bit unnecessary. So I did my top ten white rappers. There's only, there's only 10. So it's just the order. No, there's actually, there's way more than I thought. Like I I had to kind of look it up after a while because I was like, I know I'm forgetting some after I got to like three, but starting at number 10, Fred Durst. (laughs) You're on some bullshit. (laughs) You're so stupid. (laughs) You're so stupid. All right. Limp Biscuit. Late nineties, early two thousands, very popular. It's all it's all about the nookie, really, if if I had to be honest. You're so stupid, right? You're you're messing with me, man. You're, right. you're number nine, vanilla ice. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm not even gonna argue with that one. Number eight, Mark Wahlberg. Marky Mark and the Funk Bunch. Oh yeah. Kick it, baby. You're, 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 okay. Some whatever. good vibrations, right? <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> Number seven, Iggy Azalea. Now nah, you're, you're just really messing with me, but okay. Number six, Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> you're stupid. I'm sorry, have you heard the man rap? <laughs> you're stupid. I don't know why. <laughs> You're so, you're so stupid. Number five, Kid Rock. You're so corny. You're so, you're so All right, the last four, I, like I couldn't just ignore the de- the couple of decent white rappers that were out there. So like the last four gets somewhat serious, but not really. <laughs> Number four, Lil Dicky. Okay. Because he's yeah. pretty funny. And if I you're rock. gonna if you're gonna rap, you might as well be funny. If you're white. Number three, and I could probably swap three and four. It was it was a tie here for me personally. MC Chris, not only because we share a namesake, but I also do appreciate the nerdcore style of rapping. I never heard of that kid. You've never heard of MC Chris? Nah. You've never heard of Fett's Vet? Nah, like you're you're messing with me. Like, I'm not yeah, messing I'm- with you. He's a real dude. He's I have I had his T-shirt on earlier. I've been to multiple shows of his. I have pictures 
I have albums. I will prove it. Uh, all right, number two, Beastie Boys. I couldn't pick one, so I just threw them all in there. Yo. <laughs> what? Yo, I, I think they're garbage. I've always, <laughs> I've always thought they were garbage. All right, and number one, I think you know Eminem, Jimmy Smith Jr. The character from Eight Mile that Eminem played. Oh, okay. I was like... <laughs> not Eminem himself, but the character from the movie. Okay. Uh, no, not really. I, it is actually I mean, Eminem. We <laughs> okay, went somewhere. I was like, I don't. So mean. like at like eleven o'clock last night, I remembered that we were supposed to do this, and I was like, <laughs> shit, I gotta put my list together. And I went, I know what I'll do. I'm going to make it the t- top 10 white rappers. And most of it's just going to be a bunch of fucking jokes. <laughs> no, you're stupid. You yeah. didn't really. I mean, like what good would my top 10 rappers list be overall? Like that's, that's nobody yeah, cares. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. This I'll had at you. least some like comedic value to it. And I mean, I had Mark Wahlberg at number eight. <laughs> yeah. But and we're not Yankovic at six. I mean, Mark Walt. Well, I think lyrically, Weird Al actually does some funny stuff. He I does. think Lil Dicky literally is a good lyricist. Though. He is Dicky. Lil Dicky is a good lyricist, and he I mean, be. M M is the best. I think, yeah. uh, especially amongst the white folk. All right, so here's my top ten. This right. is not even categorized on rapper or lyricist. I also just want to. I want to make sure you don't have this like written down somewhere. I had to make this list on my phone last night. Nah, I got it. Like this is just in his head. Okay, so I just want to make sure. I figured that was the case, but yeah. All right, number ten, LL. This is overall, right? Overall. Okay, LL. Yeah, I I like that. Number nine, Redman. Yeah. Okay. Number eight, Snoop. Who? Snoop. Snoop Dogg. Oh, Snoop Lion. Snoop Dogg. No, no, no. He's Snoop Lion. No, just kidding. He's Snoop Dogg, man. I might even... I I don't mess with that shit. When Puffy changed his name, I was like... His Snapchat is still Snoop Dogg, so I don't know what he's talking about. Number seven, Jada Kiss. Okay, yeah. Number six, Nas. Yeah. Number five, Keith Murray. Who? Uh, Keith Murray. Oh, that's right. You told me I had to do some homework last time, and I forgot about that. That's how we got onto this whole thing. I number did not four. do my homework. All right, Keith Murray. Number four, Method Man. Yeah, okay. So you put number Method Man ahead of Red Man. Yeah, I mean, I think Method's like delivery is super ill. I don't like, I disagree. Think, I just I I'm just checking. Yeah, I mean, because overall, I think his delivery is so dope. Like you don't miss a beat. Red Man, like he's got a lot of bangers. And yeah, I but told- Method got into acting now too, so that's like he's the dual threat. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that should not influence this list at yeah, all. Come on, get out of here. Eminem is number three. Who? Eminem is number three. Yep. All number right. Two, number two is Jay. Okay. Number one is Biggie. Okay, Biggie over Jay. And that that one for me, like I'd have to be like, that could be my list of people. Like if I'm in the car and I hear their song, I'm gonna just lose my mind. Right. That's like the, yeah, you know, I'm riding with this list because I think, I really think Jay is super dope. But I think the way Biggie, like, he brought a different, he brought that different level to the game 
before everybody else did. And he opened up the door in the nineties to some dope stuff. Um, so am I wrong or was there more than there was that, only one West coast rapper on there and that was, yeah, Snoop, I right? I, I, yeah, you didn't miss that. So I do know my rap game, at least somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> like, I might even tie cube and Snoop together, but there's more Snoop songs that are just like, I, I ride with, you know? Yeah. Like Cube, I'm listening to Cube if I'm probably going to like go catch a charge. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'll listen to Cube when I'm pissed off. I listen yeah. to Snoop when I just want to cruise, you know, like yeah. when I'm having a good day and it's the summer. Like, and, and Snoop, it can be just about anything. It doesn't like even some of his newer stuff that I'm not as big a fan of. I'm still like, it's just Snoop. Like, you just kind of got to roll with yeah. it. That's I'm okay. totally going to, yeah, I'll go to the gym and like I have a playlist and, and pretty much these guys are on that playlist, right? So, but then, the, you know, I could actually open it up and say, well, you know, Wu-Tang Wu is my joint too, right? Um, but I don't like everybody in Wu-Tang. Like, I, I rock with RZA. I rock with Old Dirty. I, you know, uh, inspected that. That's my dude. Um, of course, Method, you know, Method Man. So there's, like, when I listen to music, it's like, it all the, like especially hip-hop, real hip-hop, I'm listening to it for different reasons, you know? Um, because it makes you... I was actually talking to one of my sons about that. I'm like, the stories back in the day and why we listen to hip hop is because that was our block. You know, we, the things they were talking about, we saw it, we lived it. Now it's like, I don't even know who Molly is. <laughs> so like, like I'm not even, you know, even here. I can't pop- even understand what most of these guys are talking about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> These freaking trap rappers, man. I think I played. Didn't we watch that Snoop video where yeah, he's and- doing his impression of the of the trap rappers? He's like talking about some guy got him on there. Some producer's trying to get him to rap. He's like, "Fuck you, man! Like I'm fucking Snoop. I don't rap like that." <laughs> Yo, I heard this dope song. Because now we're talking about uh, what is it called? It's like so in the UK there. Their music, it's like called that. It's called grime, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this song. It is so dope, and I'm gonna play a little bit of it. We will not get any. Uh, gosh, yeah, you are just fun. threatening us with a copyright lawsuit here. You know, we're that. only gonna play a little bit. It's like dope, though. That's a that's a commercial. I'm just getting back. You're getting that right? Yeah, I can hear it a little bit. <laughs> That song is so dope, right? I mean, just the beat on that is like one of the dopest freaking songs. Who is it? It's called, it's from Young T and Bugsy. They're this, uh, this, this deal out of the UK. The song is called Don't Rush. Okay. Yo, it is one of the dopest songs I've ever heard. It's like that real hip hop flavor. And you guys know I got a kid that's a musician. And um, I told him this, and I don't think he liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> I told him, like, real talk, reggaeton is probably more hip hop than hip hop. Like, Bad Bunny. Uh, you know, all these cats like that. Yeah. Uh, Cause you, do you, you think it, because of what they're talking about? 
Like, yeah. Because it's it's the stuff that people are experiencing every day on the street, and it's not the the same like crap that you hear about in the like from the U.S. Yeah. rappers, where it's all about yeah. status and cars and. I mean, they talk about status and cars, but the way like you know when you hear Bad Bunny or uh, uh, Jay Balvin or you know countless other like. Uh, A.A. Manuel, I mean, there's a lot of dudes out there where it's like, yo, I I totally feel what you're saying. And they bring it from a perspective of like, yo, I know I know the streets in like the states. Right. But the streets in Puerto Rico are different. The streets in freaking Colombia are different. The streets in. But we all have the same hustle. Right. And I'm like, the way they bring their story out is so dope. And that's what I respect about it. So imagine my son, he didn't like that. And I, you know, I get like, you know, like when Biggie would do a party rap, it was like, yeah, that's dope. But, you know, but it's a party rap. It's a party rap. You it's know, like, not... you know, the, there's Nicolas Cage. I'd make, I do one movie, you know, to make money and I do another movie for myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, like hypnotize, like is a dope song. Right? Yeah. The video is whack. <laughs> it's like, it's like. Why are you in a boat? Why are you wearing that shirt? Why is Puffy dancing? Like, no, those but are- the chicks were swimming in the pool, and you could see them in the window underwater, man. Like, they were like mermaids or some shit. And he's from Brooklyn. <laughs> Brooklyn's I got mean- mermaids. They got water. <laughs> That's called sewer trash, yo. <laughs> well, the mermaids just look a little different. That's all. <laughs> Why is their ears so big? You know? <laughs> like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... I mean, for me, it's like, you know, I, you know, I, I think that a tone does a good job of bringing that vibe of like, you know, what makes hip hop strong. And I get how everybody's got their version of hip hop, you know, like the UK and their grind is pretty dope. And when you, when I start to listen to a bunch of artists, I'm like, you know, I, and I use that word in air quotes, but mm-hmm. I listen to a bunch of musicians doing what they do, you know, because all right. I'm not going to call them rappers because people crap on rappers all the time. And some people aren't rappers. But when I listen to people, you know, tell their story in the UK, I can feel what they're doing. Their videos legit to their environment. When I see it, they tone, it's like, yo, that's dope. And I can see your environment and I can kind of get a feel of what you're saying, what the story you're trying to bring across. You know, like Fat Joe, that's another guy's in my top 20. He, I mean, dude's still doing it, putting out bangers and he's, well above the class he's in right now, right? Yeah. I mean, that um, dude's been leaning back for so long. He's literally horizontal at this point. <laughs> yeah, that song is still dope. It right? is. I fucking love that song. <laughs> so it's like, we like as far as hip-hop goes, I think hip-hop is losing a little bit of the flavor. I think it's becoming too much about, you know, the drug game. And I don't understand why we're, you know, yeah, I get there's still cats out there, you know, cooking in the kitchen. Yeah. That's not well, telling that you. was like fifty cents whole thing, right? Like was it he came from that background and so and I I mean yeah, I know he's not the only one. Like there's lots of guys yeah. that, that I mean that's part of your story though, right? And yeah. you put that in the song and people get it, they vibe to it, but like every song is about like that's all you do, right? So your game is just the dope game. Yeah, okay. Like I've heard that before, right? Yeah. It's like I get southern rappers, they do a lot about, you know, cooking. And I, you know, quote for translation, drugs, you know, I'm just not trying to hear it all the time. You know, I get that. It's not, I mean, there's a point where you don't glamorize what you're trying to escape from. And that's what I think a lot of people in the game right now don't recognize. Like, there's a point 
or you got to put a pause button on that, put a pen in it, move it to the side because you're escaping from that. Like right now, that's not where you're at. You know, I get like you're talking about your neighborhood. I, I respect that. I'd rather hear more songs about your neighborhood and where you're from and why you're doing what you're doing as opposed to about your cooking yeah. is what I'm. No, so, I agree. And I think, you know, as somebody that grew up playing music and has always had music be a very important and integral part of my life, like I think what you write about and what you play can very heavily influence, you know, I mean, it's just like we were talking about, I think the other day where it's like, you can sit there if you're sad and you really want to make yourself sad. You can just listen to some sad ass fucking music. Like if I want to get depressed, if I'm sad and I want to really get sad, I'm gonna listen to the cure. Like I know that. Right. And and I'm just going to cry. I'm going to fucking hate it. But you know, like for whatever reason, I just want to feel pain. Nothing is good. Um, some white people shit. So yeah, I'm glad you got to it before I did. But I think you're absolutely right. Like you do at some point, like yeah, like and maybe that's. I feel like that's becoming part of like the human condition or the American condition is like this acceptance of where we are. You know that like fuck it. Why even try to be any better than this? Isn't this good enough? Can I live a good enough life without having it? And to some degree, like you know, I I agree with the 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 sentiment against like just the procurement of capital goods, you know, like of things that, yeah, like that's not the mission, but this seems like it's like a weird combination of the two where it's like, well, it doesn't really matter if I'm still cooking drugs as long as what I do is have a bunch of money, you know, like, and bitches and And, like money and bitches are great, man. But like, do you really still need to be selling drugs? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's up when you graduate. You graduate. And to be clear, I'm not suggesting that you sell the bitches because that's not really an improvement. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, and I get that, and I and I respect the culture, and I get that. But at some point, you graduate from that part of your culture, and hopefully, you know, here's my my hope for black men. It's like, yo, level up your game. You know, like back in the days. It was basically, you know, you turn back around and you help somebody else get up to the next level. That's where we miss the mark. We, we don't do that enough, right? But if you've got a platform, you got people listening to the words you say, do the words you say count, right? You know, I want to hear about, you know, your struggle. Yeah, okay, you cooked a little bit. I got that. I respect that. Where are you at now, though? Because you can't have every song about, like, your cooking. Well, and and beyond that, right, like there were other things that you went through that probably had way more influence on what you turned out to be than the drugs themselves, right? Like there were other things that you grew up with in that time that, yeah, like maybe you were cooking and selling drugs in addition to that, but like that doesn't have to be the focus, right? And I'm with you that like the glorification of this where it's like, you know, Oh no, this is what you should uh, strive to be. Right. Like you, you want to be the guy selling drugs in your neighborhood. Like, no, like the, what, how is that helping anybody? <laughs> like, this guy, I, I, man, I wish I put, he, I know he's in my top 20 Mason. He's his brother from New York. Uh, and he's from the Bronx. Yo, he, I mean, he talks about that too. It's like, yo, he did his time. He was in Rikers, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, he had to look back and, and be like, you know, I got little little brothers like looking at me thinking this is the path. 
And old heads like me, and people will call me old because I'm in my 40s. Yo, there's a time where, like, real talk, you got to turn around like, yo, remember what I did? That wasn't the right thing to do. I got a younger brother. I got two younger brothers, as a matter of fact. Uh, one grew up with me, one didn't. And I used to have to turn around to my little brother when I was working, like, yo, this is how you do it the right way. You know, because he may have seen me do some sketchy stuff. And, I, you know, I hope, brothers, if you're black and you're listening to me, or even if you're white, yo, I, I respect the game. I know I know. sometimes you got to cook up something in the kitchen because moms ain't got money. I get that. At some level, though, if you get to that level, if you get to that stage in life where you got a lot of people listening to you, again, you can talk about your story, but is that all your story? Because somebody's watching you, you know? And I, I totally... I'm not trying to be hypocritical and I'm not opening up too much of my past. I'm just saying, I get it. You know, I, I feel what you're saying. I feel what you had to do. That's not the only part of your story. And and for me, and this is one of the things I'm passionate about. I think like for, for black people, one thing we got to remember is back in the day, like my grandfather, like he did his thing. He provided for my family. He left a legacy. But what do I do next with that opportunity, right? Without my grandparents doing what they did, I'm not where I'm at. My grandmother on my, on my dad's side, same thing. She's a very big activist in D.C., totally respect that game. Without her doing what she did, where do, where do I end up at? So my responsibility for myself and my family and, like, my people, my fam- like, Chris is my family, you know, my friends and my group or my family, like I'm ride or die for my people and I help them out good times and bad times so that we all get ahead. And that's what I think, especially in the black community, there's not enough of that. You know, we make our chips and then we're like, yeah, I'm cashing out and everybody else go screw yourself. Nah, turn around, fool. Turn around and look and see who's watching you. That's, that, those are things, and I know we're running a little bit long, but when I, when you brought it up, so that's what I think about. It's like, yo, real talk, we got to turn around a little bit more and try to figure out how are we helping our people out? And it's not about the color of your skin. It's the people that eat a meal at your table. See, I grew up in a time where if somebody came to my house and shared a meal with me, I let them into my abode, right? They're in there. I don't, I just don't invite people to my house. (laughs) Like, like real talk. It's like, you don't need to know where I live. I'm good. But when, when I've taken it, and if I even cook you some food, that means your family. I only cook a meal for my friends and family. If I'm cooking a meal for my friends and I cook a couple meals, you're now my family. So you don't have to worry about me ever not having your back. Why don't we do that more as a culture? And I get the distractions. I understand the struggle. I'm not denying any of that. I'm saying we need to be smarter about what we do. We need to like pause just long enough to think about, yo, this is not working out. Well, and I, I mean, I think, you know, at the heart of it, what, what a lot of it boils down to is that we, as people, as individuals have constantly fallen for the us versus them, you know, that it's that ultimately my neighbor is my own worst enemy. And if he's getting ahead, that means I'm not getting ahead. Whatever he has is something I should have. And if I don't have it, then the only reason I don't have it is because he's got it. And your neighbor is not your enemy. Like, really, you shouldn't have any enemies. Like, we don't live at a time in a world where those should exist. We should be at a point where, as 
people, we've evolved beyond the need for constant hatred and this one-upsmanship, you know, the need for power and leadership, but we haven't. And, you know, the reason for that, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe uh, maybe we never will. Maybe that's just inherent in the D- DNA and, you know, our It is. Our Cain, structure. Killed, Cain killed Abel, right? Yeah. So here's what I'll tell you. If you haven't learned anything tonight, bro, I'm going to give you a simple Bible lesson. <laughs> the only thing we're supposed to do is love our neighbors as ourselves, man. Yep. You know? Like, if what you're doing doesn't square with, like, what your belief system is, you're wrong. If you can't love your neighbors yourself, you're wrong. If you can't treat them as yourself, you're wrong. And so, like, and that's why I always tell people, yo, I'm I'm the last person to convert anybody. All I can do is show by my actions what I believe. All I can do is try to live up to the ideals that I hold true to my heart. And that's, you're right, you're not wrong. It is the human condition. Yeah. But we can change that by understanding the reality of it is if all, if all things being equal and you know, there is a better way in life. And if that is the greatest commandment, why can't we do that? So again, I don't hope a lot in what humans can do because they are, you know, we're all fallible, but I do believe if people square up with the right things, we might be okay. So there's a chance. <laughs> so you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> what movie is that? For? Uh, Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> it's like more like one in a million. Like, <laughs> so you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah. So that's yeah. as good a that's a good a place to end this episode as any. I think yeah. <laughs> we all, we always think that uh, you know we are grateful that people listen. You know we are. Thank, thanks for listening. I hope you share it. Hope you like it. You know give. Give us comments. You can find us at chrisandandreshow.com on the interwebs. Um, we, we do some stuff on the Twitters and the Facebook. Um, we're on all. Also listen to us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes. Find us, subscribe to us, rate us. Yeah. Give us an awesome review. Tell us your honest thoughts unless they're negative. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, that was funny. That was funny. <laughs> I mean, I, every once in a while, I, I'll come up with a funny thing. That's yeah, yeah I like that. <laughs> we just want to hear the good stuff. Yeah, be, be our be our cheerleaders. Well, then just fast forward to the end of the podcast when my stand up set comes on. <laughs> <laughs> I always <laughs> save the best for last. You're <laughs> <laughs> an idiot. We're super honored that you listen to us. Thank you to everybody that listens across the uh, the, the oceans, which is kind of dope. Uh, so shout out to Netherlands, Germany, uh, Peru, Japum, Gaiao. Uh, today is uh, proving Independence Day, uh, which is dope. Uh, no parties because of COVID-19, but it's still dope. So we're grateful. And as always, I'm Andre. And I am Chris. <laughs> I'm just going to keep trying out different ones until I find one that I like. That's what I've decided. (laughs) And we'll talk to you soon. (laughs) 
you know, when people meet me for the first time, they often address me as Mr. Smith. And I have to tell them, Mr. Smith was my father. You can call me Dr. Smith. Mm-hmm.